You are listening to community-supported radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. It's 6 p.m. Tuesday, October 26, 2021. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Right after the BBC headlines, as impressive rainfall totals put an early end to this year's fire-watching season, The California Report takes us 8,500 feet in the air to visit the historic Buck Rock Lookout. Then, a look at rewilding projects meant to heal our devastated tidal wetlands. After regional news and weather, it's Mark Cunaberti and Money Matters. This is the California Report. I'm April Dimbosky in San Francisco. The powerful storm that drenched Northern California over the weekend made its way to the central coast and southern part of the state yesterday. And although the atmospheric river weakened as it moved south, it still brought impressive rain totals. Parts of San Luis Obispo County got more than five inches of rain, and some high elevation areas of Los Angeles County saw more than two inches, enough for roads in the San Bernardino Mountains to close because of mudslides. While experts say the storm won't end the state's drought, it gave reservoirs in the north a much-needed boost. Water levels at Lake Oroville rose 20 feet in the last week, and at Lake Tahoe, the water is back above the natural rim. The storm has effectively put an end to California's wildfire season. Valley Public Radio's Sarith Hawk tells us about another historic sign that the fires are over. Nestled in the northeast of Sequoia National Forest, 8,500 feet up, the Buck Rock Fire Tower sits atop a 250-foot rock face, jutting over an expansive view of the forest and Sierra Nevada mountains. The tower is situated between Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks, giving it a prime view of smoke columns, an important tool during fire season. We are first-line early fire detection resource. It's staffed full-time in season by a woman named Michigan. I can see it. I can tell if it's really a smoke. I can tell if it's a legitimate smoke. From the tower, Michigan watched the KNP complex grow, even as the fire got closer. I can see flames on that ridge. She says, pointing to a ridge at eye level to the tower. I had embers falling on the roof and on the stairs um, from a fire that was still four and a half miles away. Michigan had to flee the tower on October 4th. Since then, the building had been wrapped with the same foil used to protect giant sequoias from the heat of the fire. Although forest officials took off the foil last week for the first time since the fire started, the tower is now closed for the winter. It reopens again in June, and if you're not afraid of heights, a steep staircase leads up to the historic tower built almost 100 years ago. Officials say they can get as many as 7,000 visitors each season. For the California Report, I'm Sarith Hawk in Fresno. Wildfire prevention is one of the key goals of President Biden's trillion-dollar infrastructure bill. Democrats are pushing for a vote on it in Congress this week. One of them is Josh Harder, who represents California's Central Valley. He's been especially focused on measures that would address the health impacts from wildfire smoke. KCRW's Kaylee Wells talked with Harder about the bill and about the California newsroom's smoke investigation. Harder and his brother grew up with asthma living in the Central Valley. He represents part of the northern San Joaquin Valley, where one in six kids have asthma and residents breathe about 60 days of smoke every year. 
So he's excited about the fire mitigation efforts presented in this infrastructure bill. That would do a whole lot of good for California. I mean, a thousand new federal firefighters year round would be hired uh, in this bill. Ten million acres treated uh, technology like you know satellite technology for NOAA to identify any fire wherever they are. That would help fight not just fire, but wildfire smoke. Carter cited our investigation, which found that we're breathing in three times as much smoke as we were a decade ago. In Southern California, that's about 30 days of smoke every year. And so I think the reporting that you guys have done has underscored the importance of getting that done yesterday. Carter says hiring more firefighters is especially important in the Southern California landscape, where other mitigation techniques like prescribed burning aren't as effective. For the California Report, I'm Kaylee Wells in Los Angeles. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash Adapting Care. Water heaters only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at WaterHeatersOnly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Immigration advocates are calling on Governor Gavin Newsom to cancel a no-bid $350 million contract. It was awarded to a border wall company to help with the state's COVID-19 response. Cap Radio's Scott Rod reports. A CAP Radio investigation found the Newsom administration hired the firm SLSCO to provide medical staffing around the state. It's the same company that built former President Donald Trump's border wall. That frustrated Hamid Yazdanpana with immigrant defense advocates. Given this company's track record, I would say that, yes, they should cancel the contract. SLSCO provided thousands of medical staff to administer vaccines. Some helped screen and immunize nearly 60,000 migrants, not far from the border wall SLSCO built. Edwin Carmona Cruz is with the California Collaborative for Immigrant Justice. Governor Newsom relied on community-based organizations, immigrants, families that are mixed-status families and have loved ones in detention to save him from the recall. And now he has turned his back on the community. The California Department of Public Health would not definitively say if it will keep the contract, but said stopping its work at the border would, quote, have devastating impacts. SLSCO declined an interview request. The company said it was honored to work with California. State lawmakers did not respond to CAP Radio or declined to comment. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod in Sacramento. Fresno County's child welfare system is now under review, following reports that foster children have been living in squalid conditions, often sleeping on floors and tables at county offices. At a recent meeting of the Fresno County Board of Supervisors, Chairman Steve Brandau vowed to make the situation right. It is very bothersome to me uh, to find out that uh, this was happening uh, right under the noses of the Board of Supervisors. And I'm going to continue to work on this item. And I don't know that I, that I will, uh, for sure, I alone won't be able to do everything, but I'm going to put my best energy into that. The Department of Child Protective Services dealt with a similar scandal back in 2002 when children were placed in motels because the county couldn't find enough foster homes. Catherine Huerta was assistant director at that time, and she says the agency was able to make the changes needed to fix the problem. 
She will lead the investigation into the agency's current shortage of homes. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, October 26th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm April Domboski. Thanks for listening. A new Smithsonian report on blue carbon examines ways restored coastal wetlands might help slow climate change. Here's more from the California News Service. 90% of California's wetlands are gone, and the movement to restore them has taken on added urgency in light of the climate crisis. A recent report by the Smithsonian Environmental Research Center encourages California to restore and expand these carbon sinks up and down the coast. They're one of the few ecosystems that can take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and store it long term and lock it away in their soils. Report co-author James Holmquist says it maps out the best places for so-called blue carbon mitigation projects. Holmquist says plants in tidal marshes scrub carbon from the atmosphere and send it to their roots, which later die and add to the soil bed. Rewild Mission Bay is a blue carbon restoration project in San Diego that would like to see local marshes restored. The city of San Diego is about to release a new land use plan that could require a campground built on marshland decades ago to relocate. Andrew Meyer with the San Diego Audubon Society says the project would rebuild tidal wetlands that lock away carbon. The priority for this space should be the blue carbon benefits we can get from wetland restoration. And our park uses can fit on the banks of a restored vibrant wetland. This is the best place for wetland restoration in Mission Bay and all of San Diego. The Coastal Carbon Network is working on releasing more data on blue carbon from other areas of the state, including Bodega Bay, Bolinas Lagoon, Humboldt Bay, Morro Bay, Newport Bay, Point Magoo, Seal Beach, and Tijuana Estuary. Support for this reporting was provided by the Pew Charitable Trusts. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. In regional news, North State Public Radio reports today that more than 100 days after sparking at the Feather River Canyon, the destructive Dixie Fire is now considered 100% contained. Fire officials reported full containment of the fire Sunday evening in the midst of a series of significant rainstorms. The Dixie Fire ignited on July 13th in Butte and Plumas counties. It burned nearly 1 million acres and destroyed more than 1,300 buildings on its way to becoming the state's second largest wildfire. The cause of the fire remains under investigation. If you're a California wildfire victim, the deadline for filing for federal disaster assistance has been extended. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza has more. The deadline to apply for federal disaster assistance was extended an additional two weeks. Homeowners and renters affected by wildfires in Lassen, Plumas, Nevada, Placer, Tehama, and Trinity counties now have until Monday, November 8th to apply. We really encourage everyone, even if you think you don't qualify, to apply. It's really important to get folks' names on the list and in the queue. We're hopeful that folks who who haven't registered We'll use this next two weeks 
to do so. This is to help fund things like temporary housing. If you're unable to live in your home, which we know that many are not able to live in their homes that were destroyed, this includes rental assistance. It can even include reimbursement for hotel costs. That's Jen Tamo, Administrative Analyst for Nevada County's Office of Emergency Services. She says the county is ready to help wildfire survivors apply. We understand that it may be difficult to apply. You know, folks are not with their computers or at their home, or maybe they've lost their their phones. So we really want to make it as easy as possible. We've partnered with 2-on-1, and folks can go directly to Connecting Point in Grass Valley and, and sign up and use their office resources, their computers, their telephones, and and we'll get folks connected to a resource recovery liaison, for lack of a better term, to help them through that process. Applicants may apply by going online to disasterassistance.gov or through the FEMA mobile app or by calling 800-621-3362. On its Twitter feed today, Golden One Credit Union is reporting technical problems following an attempted upgrade over the weekend. According to the Sacramento Bee, some members are saying they've been unable to access their online bank accounts for more than a day. Golden One has more than 1 million members with 70 branches across California and assets in the credit union of more than $17 billion, according to its website. The planned upgrade promised a fresh look with intuitive navigation and easier access. Golden One posted on social media Sunday evening, We are aware of the challenges that some of our members are facing as we work to bring all systems back up after our weekend mobile app and online banking upgrade. Be assured we are working diligently and apologize for the inconvenience. In another update Monday evening, the Sacramento-headquartered credit union said it was experiencing a very high volume of members logging in at the same time and asked customers, if possible, to log in later when traffic subsides. Users commenting on social media this afternoon were still reporting problems accessing their accounts, including some who said they've been unable to log in since Sunday. This morning, representatives of all six military branches, including Beale Air Force Base Commander Colonel Heather Fox, joined Nevada County leadership and members of the public at the Grass Valley Veterans Hall for a ceremony recognizing the sacrifices of service members and Gold Star families. The event also acknowledged the members of the business community who are offering discounts to veterans and Gold Star families during its first annual Military Appreciation Week, November 6th through November 14th. Here, MC Steve Rose, Nevada County's Human Resources Director, explains the symbolism of the solitary table positioned at the front of the room. Ladies and gentlemen, As you enter the hall for today's event, you may have noticed a table at the front, to your right, my left. It's reserved for our missing veterans. I will explain. Set for one, the empty place represents Americans who were or are missing from each of the services, Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, and civilians. The table symbolizes they are with us. In spirit, all Americans should never forget the brave men and women who answered our nation's call and served the cause of freedom in a special way. I would like to explain the meaning of the items on the special table. The table is round to show our everlasting concern. The tablecloth is white, symbolizing the purity of their motives when answering the call to serve. 
The single red rose reminds us of the lives of these Americans and the loved ones and friends who keep the faith, awaiting answers. The yellow ribbon symbolizes our continued uncertainty, hope for their return and the determination to account for them. A slice of lemon reminds us of their bitter fate, captured or missing in a foreign land. A pinch of salt symbolizes their tears of our missing and their families. The candle reflects our hope of their return. The bound text is a book of faith to represent the strength gained through devotion to sustain those lost from our country. The glass is inverted to symbolize their inability to share a toast with us. The chair is empty. They are missing. Let us never forget. Always remember. In the weather for our region, partly cloudy for most of the upcoming week, with foothill highs in the 70s later this week, then cooler over the coming weekend. In Truckee, mostly sunny with high temperatures in the 50s and lows in the 30s. Tonight in Nevada City and Grass Valley, cloudy with a low of 48. Chance of rain is minimal. Wednesday, partly cloudy with a high of 66 and a low of 55. In Truckee tonight, mostly cloudy with a low of 34. Wednesday in Truckee, partly cloudy with a high of 52 and a low of 28. In Sacramento, mostly cloudy tonight with a low of 53. Wednesday in Sacramento, partly cloudy with a high temperature near 70 and a low of 51. In this week's Money Matters, Mark Cuniberti attempts to unlock the mystery of yield on Treasury notes and how prognosticators use those trends to predict the market's future. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cuniberti. Seasoned stock analysts are constantly looking for clues as to what might happen next in the stock market. One of the most watched indicator, yet seldom discussed among mom-and-pop investors, is the yield on the 10-year Treasury note. Treasuries are debt from the U.S. government and are thought to be one of the safest investments on the planet. Treasuries have varying maturities from a few days to up to 30 years. The length of the maturity, which is when you get your principal back, affects how the Treasury is named. Treasury bills have maturity dates from a few days to 52 weeks. Treasury notes are from 2 years to 10 years, while Treasury bonds bonds mature in 20 or 30 years. The yield is the amount of interest you will be paid when you purchase a treasury. When you purchase a treasury bill, note, or bond, you are essentially lending money to the U.S. government in return for this interest payment. In general, the longer out the maturity date, the higher the interest the treasury will yield. For example, a 30-year treasury bond will pay a higher interest rate than a 30-day treasury bill. The most watched treasury by professional investors is, as mentioned before, the 10-year note. The yield on this debt is key to what analysts look to when making major prognostications as to where the market might be headed. What the interest rate is and how fast it is moving is usually reflective of investor confidence as it pertains to the perceived risk in the economy as well as an indicator of inflation. 
when the consensus is that the economic environment is calm and inflation is tame, interest rates fall, indicating general fear is subsiding. When interest rates start to rise, it can signal fear is also rising, as well as inflation, either of which can lead to market sell-offs. Although there is no one particular rate on the 10-year rate that is the rate that causes traders to head for the exits, when the 10-year treasury starts to rise, professionals start to get nervous. If rates rise quickly or in a disorderly manner, traders get really nervous. The climb in rates means that treasuries may start to compete for investor funds. The funds to buy treasuries come from stocks being sold. The higher the interest on treasuries go, the more investors are tempted to force go stock market risk for the 100% safety of treasuries. Why rates rise and approach critical levels can have a variety of causes, many of which are the subject of debate. It is thought that when investors are feeling more confident about the stock market, they slow their buying of safe haven treasuries and instead buy riskier investments such as stocks. As such, when demand for treasury slows, the price of the treasuries dip and, subsequently, their yields rise. Conversely, when investors are more wary about the health of the economy, they are more interested in buying treasuries. The fear of inflation can also be a major cause of rising interest rates. Whatever the reason, with the increase in demand of treasuries comes a decrease in the interest rate. If treasury rates rise higher, the more it signals a rise in investor euphoria. In essence, investors could be said to be throwing caution to the wind and piling into more and more stocks and out of treasuries. Historically, this may mean the stock market has more of a chance to correct. How much and how fast it corrects will not be known until it happens. There is no one rate that means a slam dunk as to the prognostications of what will happen in the markets, and the 10-year Treasury yield is not the only clue traders look to as to what might happen. But it is a major one looked at to gauge investor sentiment and a possible inflation concern, keeping in mind no event nor a person can forecast market direction at any time. The 10-year Treasury yield is one important yet little-known indicator that market observers pay attention to. Right now, the 10-year note yields about 1.63%, up from a rate of about 0.53% in July of 2020, which was a multi-decade low. The historical average is between 4 and 5%, but that has been consistently trending lower over the last 50 years. This decreasing trend in rates over many years is thought to be a necessary evil caused by an ever-increasing budget deficit by the U.S. government that now runs into the many trillions. That does it for today's Money Matters. The opinions expressed are my opinions only and may not represent those of this station. Its staff, members, or underwriters and should not be construed as investment advice nor represents the opinion of any bank, investment, or advisory firm. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark Kuhlberg. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 6.30, an all-new episode of Embracing the Journey. Host Lori Burkhart frank interviews health advocate Corbett Riley, who helps patients navigate our fragmented system of medical care. And at 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. 
KVMR gets support from you, our listeners, and from Sweetland Garden Mercantile, downtown North San Juan, a local ridge depot carrying plumbing supplies, PVC, camping, and fishing gear. Delivery available. Open 9 to 6, closed Sundays, 292-9000, sweetlandgm.com, dig it. And Sierra Moon, family owned in Old Town Auburn. Customers can work closely with a jewelry designer to help create a one-of-a-kind piece. Also specializing in jewelry repair and bridal designs. SierraMoonGoldsmiths.com The KVMR Evening News is produced by Claudio Mendoza and airs every weekday at 6 p.m. At our website, kvmr.org, you can find stories you may have missed and expanded versions of many of our interviews. And you can listen to the KVMR Evening News wherever you get your podcasts. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you.